Here, then, is the tale. Between the swish of the tides when giants knelt down and became mountains. When they fell scattered on the land like the ballast stones of the sky, yet could not hold fast against the rising dawn. Between the swish of the tides, we will speak of one such giant, because the tale hides within his own, and because it amuses, thus. In darkness he closed his eyes. Only by day did he elect to open them, for he reasoned in this manner. Night defies vision, and so, if little can be seen, what value seeking to pierce the gloom? Witnesses well this. He came to the edge of the land and discovered the sea and was fascinated by the mysterious fluid. A fascination that became a singular obsession through the course of that faded day. He could see how the waves moved up and down along the entire shore, a ceaseless motion that ever threatened to engulf all the land, yet ever failed to do so. He watched the sea through the afternoon's high winds, witnessed to its wild thrashing far up along the sloping strand, and sometimes it did indeed reach far, but always it would sullenly retreat once more. When night arrived, he closed his eyes and lay down to sleep. Tomorrow, he decided, he would look once more upon the sea. In darkness, he closed his eyes. The tides came with the night, swirling up round the giant, the tides came and drowned him as he slept. And the water seeped minerals into his flesh until he became as rock, a gnarled ridge on the strand. Then each night for thousands of years, the tide came to wear away his form, stealing his shape. But not entirely. To see him true, even to this day, one must look in darkness or close one's eyes to slits in brightest sunlight. Glance askance or focus on all but the stone itself. Of all the gifts Father Shadow has given his children, this one talent stands tallest. Look away to see. Trust in it, and you will be led into shadow, where all truths hide. Look away to see. Now, look away. Welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series. However, my co-hosts are reading the series for the first time. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Good morning. And our producer, AJ Falleri. How are the levels? They're good. You wrote in the notes that you weren't going to ask and me. But <laughs> finally, it's the Warlock King himself, <laughs> Joshua Baker. How are you? 
Myself and my cabal of hostage firstborn sons are all doing fine. Thank you very much. And and thank you, Robert, for sending that in. And um, excuse me, does anybody know what time it is? Anybody? Does anybody have a watch on them? It says 8.37 Eastern time that's, for me. That's, I don't know if that's you want correct. me to, That's to, correct. It's midnight tides, baby. We got so many uh, brothers up in this book. You know, I can't even count. Lots of brothers. <laughs> What's a Warren? I've never heard of it. I've never heard of this thing. The Deck of Dragons doesn't exist. That's right, baby. Welcome yeah. to book five, Midnight Tides. Here we go. It is midnight o'clock. <laughs> I don't. Mm, okay. Welcome back to book one. Yeah. <laughs> We've now set the time. We've set the counter back to one. <sighs> Feels good. Feels That's, good. I to love be that here. energy, Pete. Pete, I love that energy. That was perfect. Thank you. So, how are we all feeling today at the start of this big, beautiful book, this very big book? I didn't get, I need more coffee. I really made a mistake. I feel great. I would like to say <laughs> that I am acquaintances with a currently jailed, convicted, felon who committed a multi-million dollar investing scheme and i'm now like learning about his case i am so prepared for this fucking book and i did not i did not know this would ever come (laughs) in my life oh my gosh yeah yeah well it's 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 finally a time for you to apply this knowledge now isn't it josh i'm very excited that being said, I think it's time, without further ado, to get into the meat of Midnight Tides and start with the prologue. Long ago, crawled a Merlin is falling apart, and the Tist Eater are invading. Together with the Tist Andy, the Eater have defeated armies of the Kachain Shamal. The Eater are led by Scavendari Bloodeye. He speaks of the Kachain Chamali's defeat and the relative weakness of the Talani Mass and the Jagat. Scavendari Bloodeye then betrays the leader of these Tistiandi, Silchus Ruin. The Tist Eater slaughter the remaining Tistiandi forces. Scavendari takes Silchus Ruin to an Azath house and plans to hunt down the remaining Tist Andy in this new world. Elsewhere, the Elder God of the Sea, Male, speaks with the Jagged Gothus. Gothus is cleansing the land after the battle, and they speak of the Eater's betrayal and Scavendari's plan. Gothos is asked to preserve this land, and he agrees. Finally, a sword maker from a Mekro city named Withel awakens on a mysterious island. Here, Withel is led to find the crippled god. The crippled god will free the man, but only after he forges a sword. A very particular sword. Can I just say that whole prologue made no sense to me? Oh, the whole thing? Um, the beginning part was very hard for me to understand who was on what side. And uh, well, yeah. But you did just explain it, thank goodness. But then I was like, but why it always feels like there's more Tisty Andy than there yeah. are Tisty Eater. Be- so what? 
I imagine we'll find out. <laughs> oh, I think I actually think it answered tons of my questions about that India and what I got out of it, which could be very wrong, is that well, first off, the all the Tista Eater in that prologue, as of the books we have read right now, I am pretty sure are frozen in ice eternally, uh, is my guess based on what the Jag Hit was doing. Um and that has mm. left and I believe that like the ones the tissue eater that we then meet i don't know if they're in the world as we know it or just or not but if they are in the world that we are typically in they're very far from the action we've been having i think Hmm. um intriguing to to jump in i think um yeah they're definitely where we meet up with the tist eater in chapter one is definitely far removed from the rest of the action of the story um but i think uh frozen in ice is 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 maybe a little off is a little off okay so well um, he was using magic and the guy was like you're gonna freeze him and he was like that's what we do so i assume they were just like all frozen to death or something i mean that is i missed that that is how the jagat do but now that we've kind of slipped right into it i just uh i guess the way it was initially gonna frame it is that um you know, uh, I think different prologues frame books in different ways, right? Especially throughout this series. And this prologue is most reminiscent to me so far of the Memories of Ice prologue because it's like this ancient history and it's describing kind of cataclysmic and epic events. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Josh, I, I wonder uh, wonder how it struck you reading about the aftermath of the Tist Eater invading this world. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not 100%. I thought it was... I thought it was a really cool prologue. Honestly, I was. I thought it was really interesting. I enjoyed like. I mean, we hear so much about these ancient races, the Kachin Shamal, the Forkula Sail, and stuff. But like, and I, I always kind of knew that the Tista Andy and Tista Eater were like a little newer than them. But it was very cool seeing like the aftermath of like why we don't see those creatures in the world. You know, it's like the end of this like basically genocide against them, and also. We've never seen large groups of the Tisti besides, like, the ones under Animator Rake. And even then, I wouldn't say that there's, it's, like, a gigantic amount of them. So to, like, hear the numbers that they came and fought in in this was really interesting. I was like, I did not realize how giant these civilizations were prior to, like, this cataclysmic war they just took part in. Yeah. So. And, and also, also, hold on. Did any, I think, you guys had to see the betrayal coming, right? It was too clear to like. I felt. I felt it was so clear that like the reason the Tista Andy had been so battered and there were so few left is because the Tista Eater just like super set them up for failure, right? Well, I believe the I pro- it, it's established in the prologue. They like showed up super late to the battle, and yeah. you know, Scavenger, and they, like, Scavenger they f- rolls in like, "Sorry, we were a bit caught up on the way." For- well, yeah, and they formed a ring of protection. I was like, "That ain't no ring of protection. They're gonna turn inwards and kill those boys and girls. That's not okay." Inch, how did you feel about this prologue that thrust us so into the heart of this eater invasion? And I just want a quick note, Josh, that they're not necessarily younger, but they're coming from a different place. So, you know, I think it's worthy. That's true. It's true. True. Newer to this world. Yes. Okay. you're right. You're right. So, Inge, well, how did this strike you? I it didn't strike me in any particular way. I was confused for the whole beginning. um, And then he started to kill them and i was like no so i i don't know what this means for the grander story honestly i believe that if i had a better memory of the other books and like remembered anything that this would be very relevant to me but alas i don't i just want to understand what happened 
why it happened and what it really means because I don't remember. But am I wrong for not remembering that? Or is it like really not that clear yet? No, this is a lot of new information. I really love this part of the opening when Scabandari is there and he is talking about the Tist Andy that have already made into this world or these other Tist Andy that he wants to hunt down. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I guess Anna Amanda rakes around, but who he's disappeared. I'm not going to worry <laughs> <Yeah>. about him. <laughs> I was like, how dumb are you? <laughs> who Wait. do you think got these Tisty Andy here? Well, yeah, he's like we need to pause and rewind when you guys are ready. Sure. Hit me. Rewinding noise. Thank you. So, yes, that brings me to a point that I was curious about, because who are the three sons? And Darist is definitely that guy that was on that island, right? So we got Mm -hmm. Animander. We got Anderist. He's the very sad one on the island who's now dead. And yes. And then we had Silchus Ruin, who was this last I... one who just got killed. Okay. He was the guy who turned into a white dragon, I think. Yes. And Animander Rake was not there. No, Correct. he's not there. And it's worth noting another fact. Silchus Ruin is albino. So, yes, that's why his dragon was white. Yeah. Fascinating. So, but yeah, so Silchus Ruin and his followers of the Tisti Andy fought in that battle with the Tisti Eater and then were betrayed. And then Animander had already led a huge amount of the Tisti Andy to this world. And, but this guy who were, t- sk- what was his name? Scavendari Blood Eye. Yeah, he just didn't like put two and two together. He was like, nah, Animander's just like living somewhere. Definitely not here. Definitely not here. But he is here? Yeah, because yeah. they're in our world. Yeah, and I think Gosos exchange- well, mentions that yeah. later on. Because um, the exchange Jamal and the Jack Hut are in the world that we've, you know, the, the Malazan world that we know. You know, you guys are saying that there's another world, and I think you're confusing me. Well, they're... So, they're, let's uh, just... It seems like you're trying to leave a bit, let, let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you this then, Inge. So at the end of it, we, we uh, you know, we have all of this high stakes, epic, tisk, change, sky keeps, you know, and then, the, you know, the, 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 then so what's cool. that? We're awoken on an island and it's this withle and, you know, who, who's this guy? We don't really know. And then it's the crippled God. He's here and he has a small sword. He has a sword he once made, you know. So what, what, do, what do you think the crippled God's getting up to, Inge? Peter. That is such an unfair question. What is he? What is he? What is he? I don't know. He's doing fucking nerf, Peter. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. He's just causing chaos, being the crippled god, living his chaotic life. He's just I don't know. I don't know. If if you're telling me that whatever plan he's like cooking up for later on was like developed like way, way, way back when I'm going to be very upset. So uh... I have a question. Wouldn't it be crazy if the crippled god wasn't the bad guy? I was thinking that during the prologue. I was like, he seems really chill in the prologue. Mate, what if he's like not actually the worst person? I, I don't think that could be true because it's really being set up that he's terrible. But like, be pretty crazy. Be pretty um, crazy. AJ, before we move on, I wanted to give you a chance to to share any thoughts about this prologue. Uh, sets a kind of sets up a lot of the book and sets the tone of the book in some way. No, I I, I thought it was good. I I liked it. Uh, I had commented, I think, in our chat, and then I also think on the Discord, this was the first prologue I read, and I, like, knew what was going on in in a way that I could, like, connect it to current events. Like, it wasn't just um, Mm -hmm. amorphous, like, here are some events that are happening somewhere, but you don't know how it relates. Like, you compared it to Memories of Ice, but even in the beginning of Memories of Ice, it was like, you know, we we saw um, the... 
oh, shit, what was what what the the diamond the pen oh, the oh sure yeah. Panin the twin the, the, the Panin and his sister and, and then the elder gods so Kalaba. yeah and so like all that stuff happened and it was like related to memories of ice in a very direct way but mm-hmm. like we had no you know idea yeah, at that time yeah. but with this one it's like okay yeah this happened I get it. Like, I understand that this this eater betrayal is going to now pervade the rest of this book. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't expecting the crippled god. So that was fun. Gotta love when he when he shows up. Yeah. I like that he's hanging out on an island now. It like kind of got a new beachy vibe going. He's got an island vibe. Yeah. Also, I'm always a sucker for like, I'd like a cool sword that's just for me. And I'm very <laughs> excited to see what his cool sword is. <laughs> I have an open question regarding this crippled god. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was supposed to be chained somewhere. So why is he relaxing on an island? Is this before or after? I don't think Peter's allowed to answer that. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving right along then. Well, I mean, I guess it would be before, right? Because every other time we've been around him. Oh, no. I assumed this is current times. Oh. oh motherfuckers. Well, because he's, well, like, right. he's like coughing and stuff, and he's talking about slowly healing, which makes he's me think that coughing. this is- He's not coughing. He didn't cough. Yes, he's not right, coughing because right, he's, right, right. he's slowly healing. So to me, that says that this is in the times now when he is like- getting better oh, and his yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it, and it's the it's he comes from the or with all comes from the sunken mecro city that we see in memories of ice that do that we walks what through. yeah lady oh, Envy walks he's... through it i will say oh. i will say it's worth noting you can check the prologue this occurs on the yeah 1159 or 1161 or something 1159 year burn sleep three years before the seventh closure which is the thing that we are now about to get to with the tista eater stuff and the Lothari stuff specifically. Yes, they discuss it in chapter two. Yes, okay. So that's three years before... Well, we, I guess we don't actually know what year it is in terms of burn sleep with the Tisti Eater because they use their own system. So it's not very long ago. We'll yes. establish so, that. Yeah, this is like recent because I think the first book happens in 1159 or maybe the newest one we just read was 1159. One of them does. So with that sure. timeline clarification... I, think I would not say it's a clarification, but... I, I'm gonna. I'm at the same place I was five seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now is the part of the show where we like to list off all of our new patrons uh, since the last time we recorded. So I will do that right now. Very special thanks to Nick, Lucas, Adam, Tyler, John Doe, Kim, Jared, Steve, Danielle, Alex, Nanisha, Simon, Michael, Amira, Anonymous, Tom, William, Scott, Jeff, Simam, CJ, Bjorn, A1 Hot Mess, and Jake. Thank you all so very much for backing us, and thank you to all of our generous patrons over on our Patreon. We thank you so, so much. If you want to back us on Patreon, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks. Any amount you can give is appreciated, but please don't donate to us if it puts you in any kind of financial distress the show will still happen even without the donations from our generous patron donors they just the donations just allow us to do some more uh, and make some more content for the show Uh, so we really appreciate again all of our generous patrons that link one more time is patreon.com slash 10 very big books if you would like to back us so that being said let's get back into the episode with chapter one Chapter 1. A giant discovers the sea. They kneel and are covered by the tide. 
Trust in it, and you'll be led in the shadow, where all truths hide. Look away to see. Troll Sangar runs to find his people. Troll has spotted people from the south harvesting seals. This seal harvesting breaks old treaties between Eder and the south. Troll worries, though, what this will mean for the delicate peace, considering the Eder have recently united under the warlock king Hanid Mozik. Arriving in his village, he meets his younger brothers, Benedus and Rulad. Rulad is showing off and trying to impress Mayan, their eldest brother's betrothed. Troll takes Rulad with him to tell the news to his father. Their father sends them to tell the warlock king. Troll thinks on the politics of an impending great meeting between the southern Lothari and the Tist Eater. Troll speaks with his elder brother, Fear Sengar. They speak a bit of the warlock king's vision and Troll's reluctance to fight. And they think of the history of the Eater and Andy. The slave Udanis thinks of his past as an indentured sailor and how he came to be enslaved to the Sengar household. He then sees a white crow and runs. Troll meets with the council and Hanid Mozik. Together they speak of the great meeting and crawled a Merlin. The warlock king says they will go ahead with the meeting as planned, but unveil something unexpected. Featherwitch, Mayan's slave, is casting tiles for other slaves. Udanis arrives to warn them of the crow, a bad omen. Udanis thinks of his feelings for Featherwitch, but then an invisible creature attacks Featherwitch. A wivel that Udanis attacks, saving Featherwitch. Udanis feels himself wounded and blacks out. The Warlock King speaks to the Sengar brothers in private after the council. He has had a vision of the north, and the brothers are to travel there. There's a spire of ice with a gift for the king, and they must not touch the gift themselves. They begin to speak more, but the news of the wivel interrupts. Udanis is in shadow and hears Featherwitch. They speak of love and of Earth Sengar's protection. Her power is drained, and they go back. Udanis can hear a second heartbeat. The two slaves go and approach the Sengars and the Warlock King, speaking of the tile casting. Hanan wonders if Udanis has been infected and suggests he should be watched over. So, Ange, we, when we first meet Troll Sengar, he's so far removed and he's such in a different state. But this story really begins with him at his home. We meet his family and all of his brothers in this first chapter. And uh, it all starts with him kind of seeing this this seal and, and the, this illegal seal killing. And I wonder how you feel coming to this character, who I know you kind of bounced off in a way in the fourth book, starting from his home and seeing his family and starting at this new point. Yeah. Um, I want to start by saying, like, thank God he is not as, like, melancholy and boring as he was in the last book. I assume because his circumstances have not gotten very <laughs> shitty yet. Um, but it was so, his character is, like, which is so interesting, way, way different than his character in the last book. He's, like, you know, just a kid with some brothers, like, living his life. Yeah, he's got things going on and he's, like, you know, he's part he's family, he's got family, you know? Yeah, and um, so that was interesting and, and n unexpected. I do have a question about the overall society situation here. Amongst, and amongst that the is, eater. Yes. Okay. So as I'm 
like was reading the very, very, very painfully drawn out description of where they live fading in and out. I couldn't tell if it was like like a, a nicer like area or if it was like kind of shitty and people were starving because like it kind of what I just couldn't tell the difference. I couldn't distinguish what kind of vibe were in there? Are they doing well or are they not doing well? Is my question. Um, it, my impression is that. And with the, one more thing, too, on top of that, the Lothari. Hmm. Are they doing well or are they not doing well? Because I can't freaking tell. Well, I think it's going to come down to uh, a contrast between kind of two different things and um, what you might say by doing well. So I think the Eater are obviously a more tribal and uh, society. And they t- and I think from how I understand, more of their economy and society is built on uh, fishing and gathering and hunting, as opposed to um, the Lethari society, which is, which is very different and obviously has a more complex economic system going on than hunting gathering. So I think it's a contrast between a type of tribal society, which I would say this is um, very different than some of the other cities we've been in, like Darugistan or Erlatan or other other kind of mm, bigger places we've been in past books. So I guess that's, I don't know if that answers your that question. That answers my question. That does answer my question. Where do they get the... Lithari uh, servants from then? Where do they, they just take them? Yeah, well, Udonis talks about that when he's like thinking about his past as going from uh, a sailor. indentured sailor, yeah, to being captured and now he's a slave. Oh, he got captured? I thought he just left. Uh, my memory was that he was... <laughs> I thought he was just like he got, given. He got captured. He got captured. Yeah, I was pretty sure he was captured. He, oh, his, on his, the boats. On the boats. Yes, yes, his, yes, yes. His yes, captain yes, yes. poached a couple whales or Too something. Too many whales. Yeah. His yeah. eyes were bigger than his, yeah, yep, than his boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't really feel like Andy answered my question, so I'd love to hear it, but I did want to just quick note um, one of my... I did answer your question. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah, you're right. You said you were... He is... He, Troll is very different in this first chapter, and... and yeah. I like it better, if, if that's what you're looking... Do I like it? <laughs> no. Is, do I like it better? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, okay. I, uh, you're right, you're right. You got me. You got me, Inge. Um, thank you. So coming to coming to Josh, you know, uh, Josh, you're in a unique position on this podcast. <laughs> Why? I believe you are the only older brother. Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm the only oldest brother or older brother in that for that matter. So, you know, I have brothers, you know, but you have younger brothers, you know, and I, I, I have a younger I, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder, you know, Troll comes back. He sees this seal based crime. Which let the record show, I'm so excited about the seal crime, I'm going to talk about it a lot. So, getting on the record, I'm over the moon about the seal crime, you know? Oh, that's a rough... Okay. Um, so he comes back in, he sees Rulad, and then we hear about uh, Fear, who's like also there, but then we also see Fear's betrothed, then we also meet Benedict, who we see later on. So it's like brother watch for Troll. What did you make of Troll encountering <laughs> all these brothers and this introduction to Troll's to Troll's family. It was really weird because I, I guess like I didn't think about it that much. It's just kind of reading. I think what more is strange to me though, thinking about it is that uh, their like brotherhood in this society seems much more formal. You know what I mean? Like you have very strict rules about what you can and can't say to your 
brother it seems like depending on like if they're older than you or not you know like i don't like like troll and fear spoke candidly but also like not that candid like you know clearly they're not laying it all on the field like i don't think these are like very emotionally bonded brothers i agree with that there's definitely a level of formal hmm. i mean the sengars are a powerful uh, family and tribe the hiroth tribe yeah Um, i'm sure that changes things too i mean i thought it was interesting they're four very different characters uh the one who's the b brother what's his name Benet. Yeah, oh. that dude that dude rules. I like Benedict a lot. Benedict is just like, yo, this is a lot of drama all the time. I'm just going <laughs> to be out here in the woods. Yeah. I'll, I'll catch you every few months. And and what and then what did you make of Rulad who's kind of got a whole That kid sucks. That kid sucks <laughs> so bad. Well, here's the thing. Like, here's what I feel bad. Here's here's where Josh Baker sits. I feel like Rulad has got to turn evil because he's like the, he's just, one of two things happen. This dude either dies or just like betrays Troll because he thinks Troll's too weak. Like, I feel like that's the setup here is that Rulad's only interpretation of his brother is that his brother doesn't like fighting and therefore that makes him weak, which is like pretty, I'd say that's that's a classic thing I've seen in in books is like that relationship between brothers. So I'm interested to see where it goes. I've never seen it where it's the younger brother though, who is like thinking that about an older brother. So I I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes. Also, I do not know to make a fear. Uh, number one, his name is Fear. So That's that really fact. makes it, it's, it makes it tough. I, that kind of colors everything I think about him. That's strong reading <laughs> comprehension, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I um, like him. Yeah. He's a little scary. Yeah, so he, Troll and Fear kind of catch up. And as you said, I think there is a level of distance, but they also kind of lay out some of the political stakes. And I think we learn a little more why the seal, seal crime is such a taboo. It's like... We we, are, oh, we yeah. learn more about the whole situation going on between the Eater and the Letharian, this impending and meeting. I'd like to take us into Josh's Josh's economy sector corner moment. They have a seal-based economy, and that feel and it feels very singular. And I don't really know if that's like they really need to diversify their portfolios in like <laughs> this kind of world because I I mean what happens if there's a seal pandemic you know what I mean and the seals and the seals all like become inedible that I mean that's just as bad as them getting poached by the Lothari I guess the reason I kind of love the seal poaching (laughs) plot line is because it is so intensely boring and mundane (laughs) and it's it's like really representative of like petty shit that actually causes big problems between actual nations and and stuff do you mean and it's such an interesting contrast going from the prologue which is like sky keeps tisty you know it's like we're really doing it and then it's like well these two people just can't these two nations can't agree about the seal rights you know it's like causing a real problem for all these people and i (laughs) And I agree. It's lovely. I'm just saying if the Tisti Eater did not have an economy that was based upon one singular animal, then they'd be much better off. So, Inge, then we come in and Troll kind of meets with the Warlock King and we meet his council of hostage boy mages and... Um, they speak about uh, they speak about the general political situation and what to do about this impending great meeting between the Eater and uh, the Lothari. And then at the end, he like pulls the, the Sengars aside and are like, hey, I have this vision. You need to go on this quest. So what was your impression of the Warlock King and what did you think of this meeting and this quest? I'm scared of the Warlock King and I don't know why he's picking these boys to go on this quest. And I think that he left out that bit of information and that makes me nervous. But yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on that. I don't really know. Um, I thought that the whole kind of meeting just kind of 
I, it, it, it just, it, it left me uneasy. They seem very, this man just seems very scary and very capable, and his shadow also seems very scary. Love the shadow. Couldn't, I'm over yeah, the moon the about it. spooky. Um, Josh, what did you make of this impending meeting? I think we'll talk about it a little more because we hear a lot more about it from the Lothari side in a way. But also these warlock kings like, we're going to unveil this great power. We've got this plan. Blah, blah, blah. I think one of my favorite things in liter- in fantasy books is important meetings between important people where they each have their own plot because you not everyone's plot can work. And I love I just love that really self-important dudes are coming in like, they won't see this coming, right? And like, I, I'm excited for the Lothari's plan seems to be, we're going to be fucking belligerent and they won't know what to do about it. And the Warlock King's like, I'm going to unleash the largest amount of magic anyone's ever seen on the face of the fucking earth. And it's like very big extremes there. And I'm very excited. Also, I love Hull, who's like, I'm going to murder everyone. <laughs> Just start the war. Like... We've got such extremes, and I'm very excited about it. Also, can we? I, we're gonna get more into it later. But goddamn, the Lothari are the most boring fucking people. And I, it's so I boring, love it, Josh. I love it. Um, so they are playing. They're playing checkers in a game in which the Warlock King is in VR playing Beat Saber. Right? <laughs> like, like that is the. We are in the extremes here. <laughs> So there's a lot of troll-focused stuff, and we learn so much about his family and the situation from so long ago, and it's really the starting point of this story. But also part of this chapter, of course, is the slave Udanis, who we first meet, kind of seeing this omen and thinking on his past, and then he goes in, he gets struck by this revel when he's trying to save this woman, Featherwitch, who he has this these feelings for, and then... It's a, it's a bad time when he gets hit by the wivel and it's it's bad vibes, bad vibes all around. And, um, you know, AJ, I wonder what you think of this character who who sits apart from not being a part of the family that kind of centers the storyline. He's on the fringe and um, he's kind of a different perspective in the society. So mm-hmm. what did you make of Udonis and how did you feel about being introduced to him as a character? Yeah. Uh, first, let me just say I'm like 100% sure it's Udanas, not Udanis, because it's got the double A's at the end. Udanas? <laughs> it's definitely not Udanis because there's yeah, it's no It's definitely o. not Udanis. That's really what I'm getting at. Um, no, I thought it was a, a really interesting perspective because, like you said, he's just extremely unrelated until the end when he's like, hi. What if it's Udinus? Hmm? Mm, that'd be fun. Udinus. Udinus. I don't know. I don't think so. I think the double A is really what, what's what's getting me there. I think it has to end in like a Nas. Mm. Udinas. So what did you think of Nas and <laughs> his? <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I enjoyed the chapter. Um, I am curious. I mean, I guess this is kind of skipping ahead, but but Featherwitch is doing this reading of the tiles. Yeah. And it's very Deck of Dragons esque. It is. And then and then later we see another reading in the next chapter. But mm-hmm. it's also very Jack of Dragons, very, very much Jack of Dragons esque. But it's just so interesting to see these how, how in the first four books, whenever anyone does a reading, it is always the Deck of Dragons. And it's like, this is this is what we use to tell fortunes. But in this one, like she's just using like pieces of ceramic or something. Uh, mm-hmm. And then later, they're just like big stones that are at that part was confusing. But like there is no formal Deck of Dragons, like it doesn't exist, but they're all still drawing on this same power. And I just thought that was a really interesting 
thing in this time period, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, we're really approaching kind of these same powers that undergird a lot of things from a different perspective. And we're being introduced to this new society and this new world. And there's a lot of new language that I think is very apparent Mm -hmm. to all of you when you start this book, you know, a lot of new words and a lot of new, you know, it's a big change. Yeah. Um, but then back back to, to Udanas, I did enjoy when he just sees this invisible creature, Dragon Feather Witch, and he's just like, all right, it's my time to die. I got to save Feather Witch. And he just, you know, he, he goes, my, my man goes hard, you know, big, big respect for that. <laughs> he puts, <laughs> that's, that's he, he puts it all out there, you know, he puts it all out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of his organs are just, they're all out there. Ew. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> India, what did you think of Udanis? Um... He reminded me a lot of a, uh, what was the first book? Gardens of the Moon. Yeah. Yes. Um, he gave me major crocus vibes. Like, yes. Lovesick underdog vibes. <laughs> um, so I'm curious to see if he <clears throat> comes out with anything interesting. Not that crocus necessarily did, but you know, he. he take, take it back. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so in that way, I'm, I'm, he obviously has a a purpose and I just would like to know what it is because I still don't really get it. But yeah, I thought it was really, 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 uh, gross imagery when he was getting his shoulder ripped off and then his like everything else. And I'm more interested in the feather witch when she was, when she kept them asleep while they were healing and she was like, all right, well, don't tell anyone I can do this. And yeah, that was cool. Keep this in mind that- Whatever she said. I don't even really think that she said anything that like needed to be a secret, but I just, I I mean, she's super powerful. So like, what the hell is she going to do next? You're keeping an eye on her. You feel like she has untapped power. No, I feel like it's tapped and no one knows about it. And like they said, but like, what is the point in telling me that? But I don't know, Steve, you never know. It literally could just be that. So yeah, tricky, tricky. Yeah. Um, on our way out. This is uh, obviously we're going to head south to Lethary, Lether now, um, Letharus. And uh, I'd be curious if you guys had any other thoughts about the Tist Eater and seeing them here in civilization, because really, we're really thrown right into it, because you got to think about how the first four books, the Eater are really an elusive presence that we hear a little bit about. We see, of course, a little in the Salon and a bit in the Nascent, but really we know very little about these people and outside of their co- relationship to the Andy. And now here we are seeing them, India. Okay. When they're talking about um, the people on the ship and he's like, oh, yeah, we don't even have to touch them. I'm just going to do whatever. Are they the people on the sh- Salanda? No. The, ki- the wizard guy? King? Warlock? No, uh, we're like, no, those were like literally just Lethary who were there stealing seals and killing the seals. But yeah, then the people... he was like, I'm going to do all this like unspeakable shit to them when I put them in this thing. Uh no, I think he, he I, I think he was making a point that the specific people who who broke this seal harvesting treaty, those people are not necessarily who he this retribution's about. It's more about the state of Lether. Is it was my yeah. understanding of that passage. Is that what's happening when they have the meeting then? This like, great meeting. Like talking about how they should approach the uh, or are you talking about the great meeting between the Eater and the Lether? Yes. Yes, it's about various problems, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Fun. Okay, I'm done. Any other closing eat or first impressions? They're cool people. I feel like they're falling into the classic trap of like they are 
really like like they're gonna be so easily manipulated into being the bad guys of the crippled god because they are just like whoever they just have as their king they're so like yeah well whatever he says we all do (laughs) and like they just did a king who's just like what's up i talked to god and you know what he said we're gonna do this and i really feel like they're gonna be like yeah that's what we do now I mean, to be fair, Josh, he did also say, I talked to God. Also, here's my huge shadow friend that if you don't obey me, will probably disembowel you. I'm not even saying it's going to be the Warlock King. I think he's pretty cool. I think someone else is going to take power and that boot's going to be like, all right, I'm in charge now. And here's what we do. Eater. More like need more freedom for these slaves. Am I right? (laughs) All right. Chapter two. I thought it was. I thought it was good. It was right there. It was right there, and you missed it. Eater. I hardly knew her. It was right there, Peter. I gotta go. Chapter two. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter two. The Aquitter Saren Paddock guides a trader named Burak the Pale North. She is escorted by a few native tribesmen, and she thinks of how Lether subjugated those tribes. Burak begins drinking, and they are joined by Hull Bedek. Hull once served the court of Lether as sentinel, but is now marked as a traitor. He had befriended the local tribes, but resigned after the Empire subjugated them. Saren and Hull speak together of the Eater, the negotiating party, and if the Lethari are trying to provoke war. To the south, the middle Bedek brother to Hull awakens on his roof. He speaks with his manservant Bug about Aaron's and the three women who came to find him. After short deliberation, he sets off and finds the women in a nearby bar. The women threaten to Hull, saying that they know what he did and who he is. After a few more vague comments, they move to have a more private conversation elsewhere. The youngest Bedek brother, Bryce, serves at the Lothari court as the king's champion. Bryce speaks with the first eunuch about Hull and what Hull might be doing in the north. Bryce briefly greets the king sorcerer, the Sita Kura Khan, and then goes to the throne room. There, the prince, the chancellor, the queen, and her consort enter. The prince Quillis makes a demand for the return of the Garen Eberich, but his demand is refused, and the prince nearly lashes out, but is stopped by the queen. Bryce then meets with the Sita, who is amongst tiles representing the holes. Here they speak of the seventh closure, a prophecy of rebirth for king and empire both. The divination leaves the Sita with doubts. Bryce recognizes the empty hold, the white crow, and the hold of ice. There are some unknown tiles to him, and then he confesses to the sorcerer that he is afraid that his brother Hull plans to kill Prince Quillus at the meeting between the Lothari and Eater. Tell consults with three women named Shand, Hejun, and Rasara. They are half-bloods of tribes now subjugated by the Lether. Tahol helped tribe folk for his brother Hull once, and had already once almost wrecked economic havoc on the country. They want revenge and want to enlist Tahol to crash the economy of the country. Tahol says that Lether might fall to the Eater anyway, but agrees to the scheme nonetheless. Saren and Hull speak of the Eater, and Saren spots Benedus Sangar. On the subject of the Great Meeting, Hull confesses to the Equator that he plans to incite war between the two people. Do, 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 
do 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 the brother watch continues so many brothers in this here book aj we meet the eldest uh we meet the eldest bedict brother hole but we do not we are not introduced through his point of view like to and bryce yeah. rather yeah. we meet him through Saren paddock a guider uh an acquitter and guide through the north to trade for so she's escorting this trader burrick and she's been doing it for seven years i think it said and they meet up with hull and and they speak together primarily about the eater and what's going on so what was your first impression of hull and how did you feel about meeting him through sarek Saren? and what do you make of her um i think i i liked meeting hull not through his pov because all we've heard about or, or all we hear about them is just like how imposing and threatening he is and if we were in his head you know some of that would be taken away obviously so i just want him to stay a big scary boy you know yes <laughs> mm. and I, correct me if i'm wrong the the acquitters are quote unquote blind or something because there was something there was something in a later chapter that said saren paddock Pedek is not blind and i wasn't sure if that was literal or like figuratively she's not blind and then somebody's like oh most acquitter mo- most acquitters aren't i'm gonna say it's in a figurative way i don't know anything about yeah. it oh. okay that's fine I, that was just confused me a little bit but um no i i i, I had a, i had a good time i think uh saren padak is going to be an interesting point of view especially if hull's main goal is to destroy everything and we're just going to watch <laughs> saren just kind of stand aside and and watch hull put these two people to war with each other and then what did you make um of, of we hear Hull's past about how he was kind of uh, learned a lot about these native people and he didn't know this information would be used during uh, kind of the conquest and uh, colonization of these local tribes. What did you make of that past, Josh? And, and uh, clearly it has an effect on him now, right? I thought it was one of the most interesting. Like, I, that is such a cool, terrible backstory. Like, I love it i hate i hate the lothari so far with like a burning like their society with a burning passion uh and like i think what's worse is like the tribes weren't like defeated in battle and like subjugated like he just went and learned about it and then they were like all right how can we give them the worst financial deals possible to cripple them and it's just like it's just so I think that's like worse in some ways to just see them being taken advantage of such a way. I don't know. I th- I loved it. I thought it was like this big hulking guy is responsible for the financial and economic downfall of multiple <laughs> tribes. And it's just like so goofy and not what you expect. But it, it was so interesting. And what you going to say? I, I'm confused. So India, the, the best I can say is that the Lothari are like the most like. They, they have, like, this hyper-advanced economy in terms of, like, how they deal with people and, like, the money. And it seems like there's a stock market. And Hull, like, went and learned all these tribes and learned all this stuff. And then it just seems like, from what I gathered, the Lothari government was like, all right, we're now going to cripple their economy and make them all destitute and then take their lands through without the but use of But he didn't intend battle. that, though, no, right? No. He was the center. He was told to just make contact with them but they and, like, learn about them and be cool. So then why did he get, like, like exiled? He didn't. He self-exiled himself. Yeah, he, he turned in. He turned oh! in. He turned he turned in his king's reed, which was, like, the thing that lets him go, like, marks him as the sentinel, I guess. Right, and he sent yeah. it back and was like, I'm out. Which I think is so interesting, as you mentioned, because obviously Hull's a bit of a bad boy and like, you know, he can Mm -hmm. get it. And we all we all like Hull and all this. But, you know, 
Well, I think it's interesting because a lot of times bad boys, you know, like they have a tragic backstory or they have like a sh- shadowy past or all these things, you know. And I think him be his back dark secret is him being complicit in the like exp- the unfair expansion and subjugation of native tribes is like an mm-hmm. interesting spin on like a you know a bad boy's bad backstory yeah. you know usually usually it's like i learned all their defenses and then they were like killed terribly and i wanted to fight but i couldn't but this is like no i just watched them all like agree to bad business deals and it's yeah like <laughs> I, I love like that. i was a part of a system and i i like i left you know mm-hmm. so that brings us a, a bit a bit to the middle brother then we we meet him on the roof and uh then he meets there's some women and then he later meets and then they, we kind of learn more that these women are trying to crash the economy in recompense because they're some uh they're from these local tribes yeah. that were were kind of subjugated and destroyed and what do you make of tehole this middle brother who is uh hanging out on a roof and he's got a bit of a bit of an attitude yeah he is he acts a lot like a middle sibling. Strange and unpredictable. <laughs> Are you guys and all youngest siblings? I'm the youngest, yeah. yeah. Power to. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. Favorites. Spoiled. Loved. Yeah. Most. That's what they say. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a real Benedict Sengar when it comes down to it, so. <laughs> I'm uh, I think AJ's more of a Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ange, you were saying. Um... I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yes. Tehol. 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 It's not him. good. <laughs> no matter what you do. He's, he's, I don't understand how he's so, like, he's so strange, <clears throat> yet he made so much money doing who knows what, just screwing the, the stock market, I guess. My only question is, when he meets with the women and they're like, we know what you did. Um, and he's like, no, you don't. What, I didn't do anything. What do you mean? I've never, um, I've never done anything in my life. <laughs> why? Where? He lost the money? Uh, he hid the money. Mm. Yes. Why? So that it would get it counted a as a loss and then he could use it without anyone knowing what it was being used for. But he lives. He used it to buy some of those, uh, to give it to those island people, I think. Yeah. Where he set up the island. Yeah, he set up, a, he, he like set up an island for... So is he like fake crazy or is he not actually crazy? I I think the best I can say is it seems like he used the system to do a good thing, but then he like hates the system so much he would rather just like kind of wither away and die than continue like being part of it, I guess. I don't know. I thought they were hinting that maybe he is like planning on eventually doing another big thing and they're just kind of getting him there faster, but I really couldn't tell. Mm, It was was a lot. And they are... They're trying to take down this system because they're all half, halves. Yes. Half. Yeah. Half yeah. bloods of the, some of these tribes the from the north in between Lether and e- the Eater that have been already. And I'd imagine the Lether, uh, Lethari did some, some fucked up stuff there. And now they're like, we're going to take you down the best way we know how. Tanking yeah. your economy. Right. Which is yeah. like way more welcomed than like we're just gonna come and kill all of you i must say (laughs) well yeah and it's so much more fitting because like their whole thing is this like intricate economy and to like have it be crumble beneath them would be the ultimate like thing 
Also, can I just hop in right here and say, we're, are we going like, to Josh's economic corners again? Yes. Well, and it's a bit of it's a bit of uh, I, I just want to loud Steve and also tell him he's the worst at the same time because. <laughs> I've read so many medieval European fantasy books where everyone has a system that's like, Oi, Gov, I've got two crowns. Two crowns. Well, I can give you... And it's just like, you know, there's like a couple words for different types of money, but they all are kind of based around like a crown is made of gold and then like a farthing is made of copper, a stallion's made of silver, like shit like that, right? And these people are like, we've got seven words and I'm not even positive that any of them have a physical representation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I, I kind of think that they're all just numbers on spreadsheets is what it really feels like. And I love that he's just, like, really taken that and just ter- made it the worst system imaginable. Well, I'll say this. Steve never lets up an opportunity to make up a new word, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's just a well, bit I, Honestly, that... I think it would be even better. I think it would be even better if he made up new words. Instead, he uses words like third and dock and peak, which all have real meanings. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, this is money now. <laughs> well, he used, but then he uses all these made up words for the, the different positions in like the, when we see the scenes with Bryce. Because yeah. he's like, he's a Finnegal, which is like a cap. You have to go to the glossary like 80 times to get mm. all that. And the Petra is like a general. The Cena is the mage. But it's like the Cena has a name. We've not even met a second one yet. Like it's, we don't, he doesn't need a title. Um, It's n- 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 new book, n- new, new world, new continent. We're doing a whole new language. Also, I don't know about you guys. I definitely at first thought that the Finnegal was another name for King's Champion, but then they were just calling fucking everyone Finnegal. And I was like, why are there eight King's Champions? And eventually I had to go in the back and be like, oh, he's the King's Champion and just kind of a captain. That <laughs> makes perfect, 100% sense. So that brings us to the King's Court. And it is, uh, you know, I would say this is the probably, in my opinion, the part of the, the these first two chapters that involve the most complicated stuff. I mean, you get introduced to a lot of characters really fast. And there's a lot of like, who's related to who, you know, you got to kind of, you know, you and can, they have multiple names, which is really annoying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I, and he mm-hmm. thinks it makes it better by like calling them one name and then, but like you, like in writing, like saying their other name. But like, I I really didn't like it. It was very mm-hmm. hard to follow. No, it's a major thing, and Steve always does it. Where it's like India also has a name, like you know, the what is it, the Sedis? The yeah, like this 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 the hypnotist India, and then we call her India half the time, and we call her the hypnotist the other half of the time, and then usually yeah, but there's like, like a India, third name. Will you do this? The hypnotist said. Right. Yeah. We I'm don't. Like, we don't say India is a hypnotist and then say the hypnotist said. It's just like here's India's name and then all of a sudden now we're referring to her as the hypnotist. It yeah. pisses me off. I. It, it's very, very, very. It just makes this a lot more difficult. I feel like it's one of those things I've just gotten so accustomed to. So it's like <laughs> I, I, you I, think. I, I wouldn't defend. I. I don't know if it's good or not. I just feel like I'm so far down the river of you know. Um, this is just what it is at this yeah. point. I think yeah. I read the word finad like eight times and I was like, oh, the finad is that's, price that's, also. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's the that's <laughs> the word finad, which is like anyone it seems like that is in, uh, important in the military, but not as important as a Petra. So, Josh, <laughs> it's, it sounds like you really combed through this all. What did you make of this big Bryce introduction? Uh, I actually loved it for some really a very specific reason. 
which is that it feels like for the first time in any book or media I've consumed that the besides, I guess, Game of Thrones, but it feels like the eunuch is a cool dude who is just kind of like a great advisor to the king and doesn't have some ulterior motive to like take over. You know what I mean? Like every Game of Thrones has Varys who like is good kind of by the end in some ways, but like a lot of the times is scheming and like. I've read plenty of other books where, like, there's a unit character and they're always in the background just kind of scheming. But this guy's just like, let's be cool and help the king. And I like that. <laughs> it's very mm. good. Uh, my question, though, is why the fuck does the mage care so much about Bryce? Like, the mage is like, Bryce is a cool dude and I like him and he gets to see all this stuff. Mm. Why is that? Like, why are they all so... Is he just, like, a really good dude? Do you not think he is? I don't know him enough. Do they all know him? That's what I'm asking. Like, it was very strange that he's, like, made the king's champion immediately being involved in schemes, which I get from, like, the... I get the scheme with uh, Petra and the prince coming in, but I don't fully understand what the first eunuch and the mage are, like, giving him all this super important information. Hmm. Unless the king's champion is, like, a very, very, very powerful position, but it really feels like he's just a bodyguard who, like, also hasn't even got to see the king, it feels like. I don't know. I had many questions about that. Yeah, I don't think we... I don't. I think there's a lot... You're only getting a glimpse of the court, right? Okay, mm-hmm. all right. All will be revealed? Something like that. All um, right. All right. A- a- AJ, what did you me- make of meeting Bryce? And then also, additionally, we go down and he con- confers with the Sita Khan, and there is this reading that you alluded to earlier. Yeah, um... I, I like Bryce. He seems like a neat character. He can move I real quiet. I can't call him Bryce. It's, <laughs> it doesn't feel right. What, I literally just shared what this. You... Maybe, we can, maybe we pivot to Br- Briss. 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 I don't Briss. like Briss. I just can't because that's like the that's like the, 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 the circumcision yeah. ceremony yeah. for Jewish yeah. baby boys. We can't call him the Briss. What about, what about Is it Breeze? Breeze. I like Breeze. What about Bree- Breeze? Breeze makes me like think of Drew Breeze. Breeze. I'm going to say He's Bryce. still a douchebag. He's still a douchebag. You guys can say Breeze. I'll say Bryce. Uh I feel like I'm going to maybe stick Bryce. with Bryce. I feel... <laughs> cool. Okay. Just like Steve, we're all going by our own pronunciation, our own word. Doesn't matter. Um, so anyway. Got him. Got him. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed learning about Bryce and stuff and realizing that they're a, a good fighter and can move real quiet. But I... I the The... the Deck of Dragons, the proto Deck of Dragons reading, I guess. Uh, the holds was yeah the hold the holds and the tiles. Let's unpack that for end, please. So so the Sita Kurokan takes Bryce down into the depths of the castle, I guess, or whatever, and they they basically do a Deck of Dragons reading, but it's like with the tiles with, with tiles. But the Sita makes it sound like not everybody can like see the tiles or something or like. Mm-hmm. like read them for what they are yeah Am I, right? I think yeah because they he was like testing to see if uh breeze <laughs> could <laughs> do breeze. it right he was testing to see if breeze could actually see what he was seeing okay cool that's what i that is what i thought and now thinking about that even further josh because you're, you're asking why the Sita and and stuff are making a big deal yes. out of out of him it it i think that is part of the reason because it doesn't seem like a thing in in again going back to current day uh, quote unquote, Malazan stuff like only certain people can really read the the deck. Right. Okay. It seems kind of like a like a parent situation where it's like 
He's kind of just uh, like, oh, yeah, I know what this says. And then they're like, like, oh, that's uh, cool. I've now now thought about it. And the other two brothers are so cool. They probably, I guess maybe they were like, the third one's got to be up to snuff too. (laughs) I guess he'll he'll probably be cool enough to read this. Yeah, probably. That's like the only, (laughs) that's all I've got. He's the youngest uh, brother. Yeah. You think it's like a pity inclusion? Yeah, yeah. but no, because we're friends, it, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's because when they go to the tiles and Bryce mm-hmm. says that he he can read it, the Cetus says, "Ah, then you see truly good. An unhinged mind would reveal itself at this moment. Uh, its vision poisoned with fear and malice." And then they oh, talk right, about right, what, right, right. They talk about how Bryce can like sense the feelings from the cards and all, or the, the tiles rather, and and all that stuff. So so that. Is very cool, and I'm curious to see when and how Bryce pops off. Because yeah, there's I, definitely going to be a moment where he's like, "Oh yes, I am the Hound of Shadow now." Like, there's yeah, going to be one gonna, of those moments. Yes, a hundred percent. There's yeah. going to be some bullshit. So I'm, I can I tell you, it is a ama- it is amazing that there are two complete like connected but completely different sources of read like the holds and the deck of dragons and we just have to know both of them it's yeah. too much it Why took me until two? this point to realize that like oh these are the same thing and the holds are like the houses even though they said the azath holds i was like uh i don't think they're the same they're i think not. the holds are earlier versions and the houses have ascendance and i don't think i don't know i think the holds are different they're the more ancient version yeah but like the holds will become the houses so they might as well just be the same thing right do they I, they said I Azath holds, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. But but and then, like but the hold of ice mo- is Omto's Falak. Like uh, they don't say that, but like it's a hold of ice. Like what else? I don't know because the Azath ha- they're called houses because they're literally buildings that come out of the ground. Sure, I, but they're India. I just agreed with AJ. I thought because they said you know and that's where they put the bad people. Right. Huh. Yeah. Right. I didn't think that would become like the house shadow and house, you know, all that stuff. I thought they mm. were different things. No, I, I mean, know. if they're different things, that's wild. Well, that's what I thought, because Perrin traveled through the holds and like was looking at the holds and he never was just like, like he went to the whole, the beast throne and like put Tog there. And it wasn't like, ah, yes, you know, the beast throne, also known as this house. Like that wasn't a thing. It's well, they might not separate. know. It's, it's very old knowledge. I imagine. Pete? I don't know. Are they separate? Pete's just letting us flounder. He's just letting us. <laughs> Seems uh, like something we will reveal in time. Inch, if you had to go off the bat, here we go. Pick a brother. I would like. A, I would ready. like. I would like a Sengar brother. I would like a Bedek brother. Where are we at? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Of like preference. Well, just this. You know, this week's. Who's on your brother radar? You know. <laughs> oh, I like this. Okay, on my brother radar is um. What is that little fucker's name? <laughs> the one with an R? Yeah. Rulad. Uh, Rulad. 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 Actually, no. From the Sengars, I'm going to say Benat. That's the right ben- choice. Benat is the youngest <laughs> that dude brother. Rules. Because what is he doing? He's a, he's popping up in chapters, man. So I'm like I don't know what I don't know what game he's playing here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, all we knew before was that he was on a journey, but now he's popping up in the end of chapter two. Oh, hello. So yeah. <laughs> that's who my eye is on um, for the Sengar brothers. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. And then for the other brothers, the Bedek uh, brothers. Yes, yes. Um, I guess I'm gonna have to go with Hull. Fascinated. Mm. I want to go next. All right, Josh, you seem like an eager beaver. What's on your brother watch? He's excited. I am obsessed with Tehol, the middle brother of the the 
Bedix. I yes. think he's the... I love him. Yes. I want to be with him and Bug. I would read books and books of just them. We didn't yeah. even talk about Bug. I love Bug. Big Bug head I, over here. I'm obsessed with the two of them, and <sighs> that is my favorite. Uh, and yes, Benatus, because I don't know, I think Fear's too honor-bound, and Rulad's a little prick, and I don't, I don't know, Troll's Troll. He's just, he's the straight man. We know him. You seem pretty hard on Rulad over there, bro. I don't like Rulad at all. All we see from Rulad is that he's like, <laughs> trying to uh, posture in front of his 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 uh, brother's older girlfriend. Brother. Like, he's ah, an yeah. unblooded loser. Well, you know when your yeah. older brother's engaged and then you're trying really hard I to don't. peacock. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you call your middle brother a loser for not liking to kill people. You guys just right. don't, don't interact with your older brothers like I do. I when think. you haven't even actually killed anybody yet. Yeah, it's like, I come know. on, bro. <laughs> what a what a a nerd, a knob. Um, if you will. A knob. A knob. Nice. AJ, do you have any? Who's on your brother watch? Ooh. Um, so I, I do. I, I think for the Troll Brothers or the Sengar Brothers, rather, rather, I am going to say Benedict because, like, we know about the others at least in some regard. We've only heard tales of Benedict. <laughs> um, true. I want to find Troll more interesting, tales. but right now it's. Yeah, I wanted not, to check in really since there. you were a big troll. You're, you, I think you were the most most in a troll when we read House of Chains. Yes. Of, Easily. Um, yes. So, what did you make of him coming into this new? We're in, we're in the troll, we're in the troll zone. Welcome. We're in the troll zone. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I was surprised that he popped up when he like as early as he did immediately. Because yeah. as as yeah. you, Josh and I, Pete, have talked about. In the uh, Tales of Bokalin and Corporal Broach, we don't meet Bokalin and Corporal Broach for like six chapters. No, so Steve, expecting... Steve will take a winding approach, but really after the prologue, we fucking hit the ground running. Trolls yeah, here. It's like... we, we see the seals, the conflict's happening. Right, yeah. Um, so I was a little caught off guard by that, but you know, I was happy to see my boy, obviously. But um, it was interesting to see, I, I think the most interesting thing that struck me about troll was when he was like oh yeah the the guy basically flipped me off so i shot him through the the chest with a spear oh, i was yeah, like oh dude. this is this is a big different energy that we're, we're coming from right here mm-hmm. um so i'm curious to see how how that goes and and to see if he ever becomes the troll that we know in house of chains uh in this book because i could see it being like he just kind of is this kind of troll until the very end of this or whenever he gets chained or whatever and then and then kind of changes in House of Change into the troll that I know and love. The the very sad troll that India the does, very yeah, sad that troll, right? India exactly. very distinctly does not love. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and no. then in ter- in terms of the 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 Bedic brothers, I I do agree with Josh. Uh, I think I, I, they're they're all pretty interesting. Actually, yeah, they are. They yeah. are. Um, are you, cho- are, you are we choosing the Bedic brothers over the Sengar brothers? Yes. Right now, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and I do think it's very cool that we get we get Tehol and, and Bryce's uh, POVs, but we don't get Hulls, mm. which is interesting. Withholding, um, just something. Some, they're withholding. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking got him, dude. Um, but no, yeah, I love the Tehol and Bug stuff. Uh, they're withholding. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's <laughs> they're withholding. <laughs> There we go. go. The word hold is in it. Anyway, um, I am. What was I saying? Fuck. Doesn't matter. The podcast is over. We're on our way. We Uh, peaked. I was making a point. I do not remember. Oh, uh, I I like duos. That's three million docs.
I like duos, and the only duo we've come across so far is Tahoe and Bug and Udenos and Featherwitch, actually, which I didn't think about. Uh, uh, both of which. I'm going to say, wait, who, who was the first one you said? Tahoe and Bug. I think uh, uh, Hull and uh, the Acquitter. I think they're going to be a fun duo. I would like to loop I, around because we didn't really talk about Saren much. We had a very Hull focused conversation. Oh, um, yes. I would love to. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry. I have a question. I, yeah. It really feels like taxi cab medals when we talk about how many acquitters there's allowed to be. And then there's like a bidding, you know, to see who gets to have one of the acquitters. It's like a wild system, right? Sorry, you're going to need to explain to me taxi cab it, medals. You, where are you getting this information from? What? What? When we when we meet the when we meet whatever her name is, Saren. Saren. She, yeah, so she's an acquitter. She's indentured, not indentured, but she ha, she owes her services to Baruch for ten years. Right. Uh, and they talk about how six years ago, the last time that they had a great meeting and had a pact, what the tr what the eater decided is that they could only be traded to they, they would only trade with people who are led by an acquitter. Okay, so they were that way they weren't flooded with Lothari people trying to make bad deals with them. And then they vetted the acquitters, and then there were 10 of them, and who got to use them was decided by highest bidder. Okay, I missed that whole part. So there's only 10 people allowed to lead caravans to trade with the Tista Eater. So they chose Saren, and then she gets told, I'm going to kill them and, <laughs> and do with that what she will. Right. Yeah. And she's six years into this contract with this yes. dude. She keeps seeing four more years, maybe. And I thought at first, <laughs> I was like, at first I thought, was she, was he gonna like screw her over? And then it's like, no, he's a crippling drug addiction due to the stress from his job, and he's gonna send himself to an early grave. And I was like, oh, okay, not what I expected. I think it's an interesting point you bring up, Josh, in talking about how, um, how that system is working to exclude. I don't know. I hadn't really, it's, it's, I hadn't it's, really it's, been it's thinking about it like out. that, and it's an interesting point to bring up because I think talking yeah. about systems, economic systems, is something I'm I'm keeping on my mind this book, you know. Well, and I wonder if it was the Tisty Eater's idea because they saw with what Hole did inadvertently with those other groups where it's just like mass unregulated trading that caused their downfall. I wonder if they were like, nope, we're going to accept certain people. They have to be led by these people that we think are chill. Yeah, and... I just wanted to loop around because I know I was kind of trying to wrap up with the brother watch thing, but I did want to just yeah. touch on Saren. So, um, any any thoughts you want to share, um, India or anyone? I just I, I just I I I'd be remiss to go out if we we didn't really talk about her. I love the whole stone that makes her less arthritic. That mm. was a wild. Oh yeah, the warm stone. Yeah. Yeah. What was your impression of her, Inge? She, I don't really have much of an idea about her yet i don't really think that they like gave much away about her um she just seems like kind of uh guarded i guess and um i don't know i i, I don't really know what to make of her and i don't really know where this story is uh even going yet i it was very i, don't, I guess open so i think that she's going to be i hope something someone interesting she's the only you know lady that we have around really except for the that queen so yeah i don't really have any opinion but um i hope that she is interesting and we learn more about who she is and where she comes from well i guess also quickly she dated hull they had a thing definitely right definitely they like had oh, some sort of the, relationship they're yeah. by then that's for sure yeah. and she definitely feels like she took advantage of sad boy hull and that it was a mistake I'm just glad we were all there then. 
Yeah, I don't think Hull is upset as upset about it though as as she thinks he is. But Hull I can't, seems I can't say. Hull seems pretty singular in his in his thought processes. Yeah, not to I, I don't want to put him be too hard on him, but mm-hmm. outwardly he he doesn't seem like he thinks about much. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody. I think that brings up our and brings to the end our discussion of the first two chapters of Midnight Tides. We're all excited to kick off the reading of this fifth book next week on the honestly, show. I, I was gonna say honestly, this opening has me way more excited than the opening of House Chains did. I'm mm. pretty hype. Yeah, <laughs> India. <laughs> I'm not hype. I'm not. I'm not hype. I um, just anytime there's a chance to dismantle the economy. No, I I'm get it. I get it. it. I understand the excitement. I'm right there with you. Less war scenes. That's fun for end. Yeah. However, starting over is not my favorite. Mm. So that's we fair. are brand new. We are learning new things. And it is a hard enough time already reading these books. Mm. You're feeling a little so, pain from the start, of the, the square oneness of it all. Yeah. Yeah. That The number of characters that were introduced in two chapters is obscene. Yeah. And I'm... Just I and I just have a feeling that the next three chapters, two chapters, whatever we end up reading, we're going to meet an entirely new ensemble of people. So mm. you know, yeah. just just planning ahead, <laughs> setting my expectations low. I get that, and I think it's something I'd love to touch on at the at the end of the book. Um, but I think um, I definitely I I really hear you on that. I think starting over at this point is a big leap the reader has to make, you know? So uh, I, I hear you. He makes us mm-hmm. work for it. Yeah, that's that's, that's true okay. now, ain't it? You know? <laughs> so uh, we're going to post our reading schedule to Twitter as we do, but next episode we're going to be reading chapters three and four and uh, cruising our way through book five. We're looking forward to it. Talking brothers, talking leather, talking eater, talking so much of the great stuff in this book. Uh, if, let us know what you think of the show at 10VeryBigBooks at Gmail and Twitter. And uh, before you go, uh, before you go, I want to get a quick prediction for where we think this story's going and where we think uh, what the path that's going to lead Troll to being uh, shorn from his people at the beginning of House of Chains. Uh, Josh, where uh, get a prediction for this book. Hit me three, two, one. They're going to find this thing of ice and it's going to be bad for them. And Troll's going to speak against it and he's going to be outvoted by his brothers and labeled a traitor. Indy, any predictions for the book since we're right at the outset of it? I think that he was like, don't touch it. I think Troll's going to fucking touch it with those bare hands. Ooh. And they're going to be pissed. AJ, uh, uh, any predictions uh, you wanted to plug? You had a prediction for me over text. I didn't know if you were trying to plug it on the show. No, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to make that public. That's a secret prediction. <laughs> oh, it's a no. secret prediction. I hate the I'm secret so prediction. He only wants credit if it's correct. He doesn't want the, sh- the shame if it's oh, not correct. Right, right, yeah, right, honestly, right. I, hesita- I hesitated to text you, Pete, because I was like, well, if it's wrong, <laughs> I'm going to seem like a fool. So I'm just <laughs> I'm not going well, to. Uh, I'll seem, let you know, yeah. I've already shared it with everyone who's, re-re- who's reread the books. So <laughs> extremely wow. good. Extremely good. Well, uh, that's fine. Uh, that's not the prediction I was going to bring up anyway. But I, do, I think India's right. I think Troll is going to touch the thing. Uh, He's going to touch the butt. Yeah, I don't I don't think the the, the big giant is going to like, I think we're just going to see it. I don't think it's really going to come into a whole lot of play. If we, we even forgot to talk about the giant. We opened the show with it or we talked about it. We, we mentioned it and we didn't even talk about it. I fucking love that passage. I think it's great. Oh, it's I just cool. love the imagery in it. And I fucking love the giant in the sea looking in the darkness. I'm so into it. You know, that's that. Mm-hmm. Me and Josh talked about him in our Grunge and Moon epigraph. I love um, when Steve's writing in a, in a mosaic of, 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 of 
obfuscatory imagery way. I love that type of poetry, right? Sometimes, and I really loved the opening to this part. Oh, look out, folks! Coming up soon, Dead House Gates epigraphs double feature with Peter and I's review of Hubie Halloween. That's right. It's a two for one, baby. It's coming out soon. Look for it. Hello, everyone. Producer AJ here doing this quickly before The Bachelorette comes on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. It is so great to finally be getting into Midnight Tides. Uh, you can let us know your thoughts about this and all of our other episodes on Twitter at 10VeryBigBooks or via email 10VeryBigBooks at gmail.com. If you'd like to join the conversation on Discord, you can head on over to bit.ly slash Discord and join everyone there. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. That link will also be in the show notes. If you'd like to check out our Patreon, you can visit the link in the show notes or head on over to patreon.com slash 10 very big books uh, at the time of this recording we are at uh, 139 patrons and 477 dollars a month thank you so so much to anyone who has donated any amount uh, there are a few people have upped their donation amounts and i'm really really blown away by that uh, thank you so much and really quick i just want to say when pete and i first broached the idea of starting a patreon uh, back before house of chains we said we'd be happy if we reached 100 dollars a month before the end of the year so the fact that we are approaching five hundred dollars in just four months is absolutely mind-boggling uh thank you so much for helping us continue to be able to create more and more stuff under the umbrella of the show we really really will never be able to express our gratitude enough so thank you and as always thank you so very much to dan geserich for making our spectacular logo you can follow him on twitter at dan geserich for the same tweets as last episode and of course the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only amaranthan from their album simulant rain which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books will be back in two weeks on november 20th with chapters three four and five of midnight tides talk to you then and thank you so much for listening Thank you.